youth embracing their future, a vision we can all support, bringing practical skills to adults and youth so we are all able to live life with courage, confidence, and connections. Welcome back to the Discover You podcast. With me today, I have Sarah and Bev, and we are going to talk about uh, and provide a framework for sharing and learning together um, and social-emotional learning. So, Sarah, uh, would you like to give us a quick overview? For sure. So the past couple episodes, you know, we've been talking about strengths and growth mindset. And Bev and I were talking, and we felt it was really important that you all have the opportunity to understand a framework called social and emotional learning, where a lot of this information that we're going to bring to you on this podcast comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got some components. Bev and I are going to cover it. But we felt it was important that you, our listeners, knew where to kind of um, compartmentalize and where to place the the topics that we're sharing. Awesome. So uh, social emotional learning, the frameworks of it, it sounds very interesting and educational. Mm-hmm. And I just think... I think we're all going to need a lot more information. So I'm ready to, to listen to you guys. Yeah. It can sound a bit structured. Uh, it's really talking about things that we've heard before. So like mm-hmm. we've all heard of emotional intelligence, you know, that IQ component. We've heard about interpersonal skills and mm-hmm. having some sort of self-control. And mm-hmm. we learn how to make good decisions. Well, social emotional learning has taken a lot of what's been researched and put into an understandable framework where then we can build our own capacity in it. Do you want to go into the components? Yes, absolutely. So social emotional learning is really five pillars or buckets, if you will. And the more I study them, the more I've looked at them, the more I've worked with them with youth, I realize they're actually in an intentional order. So it starts out with self-awareness. We're going to go into these deeper. So I'm just going to give you the high level. It goes from self-awareness into self-management and then to social awareness, and then to relationships, and into responsible decision-making. So if you think about social and emotional learning, it's really the learning part is the process that we go through to help people, and of course our focus is young people, to acquire the knowledge and skills and the attitudes that they need to thrive. So we try to help our young people thrive when they can, but struggle well when they need to, right? So we realize that these components help move our young people forward no matter where where they're at. So if you think about social and emotional skills and the big difference it makes is it can really help our kids, our people, us, right? It doesn't stop with young people. This is for adults too. But it helps to improve their attitudes about themselves, about each other, about whether it's school or if you are uh, the lens of an adult work, um, uh, teachers, administrators, the feedback is always improved positive classroom behavior, peer-to-peer interactions. Generally speaking, they see increased uh, academic performance. Um, conservatively, they'll, they'll say uh, 11%. It has a huge return on investment. Um, the conduct problems, of course, go down. You have discipline issues reduction. You have less emotional stress for our young people. And then another positive outcome, of course, is lower drug use. And one thing I thought was really amazing is how important these skills are early. Mm-hmm. So there's a study that shows that kindergartners with high social and emotional learning, so kindergartners, our five-year-olds, right, are more likely, if they have high social emotional learning in kindergarten, they're more likely to graduate from high school, complete a post-secondary degree, 
obtain stable employment when they're adult. And think about this, when you think about the pressures on our system and on our society, high SEL also means they're less likely to live in public housing, to receive public assistance, to be involved with the police, or to be incarcerated. So do social and emotional skills matter? Absolutely. CASEL, C-A-S-E-L, actually stands for the Collaborative for Academic Social and Emotional Learning. And they're one of the, I would say, leaders um, in social and emotional learning. And they've built a really great framework around it. And we use a lot of their work um, and reference them a lot in what we do. Yeah. So you're, if you say that kindergartners, right, how, how can we, like, instill the social emotional learning into kindergartners who who you know can barely say their ABCs how what does that what does that look like can you can you give us some kind of example because that's crazy that kids who who can't can't write their name yet or you know understand that when you when you go like this you're still there like how does how does that work well Sam you bring up a really good point right And so, so many of these skills are just developed by having an adult in their life who models the behavior, who understands the Mm -hmm. concepts and the behavior. And actually, as we're going through the different components of social and emotional learning, we'll watch to point out things you can do when they're very little, as well as into teenagers, as well as how we can do things as an adult. But it's very true that that emotional component and the way we interact with people is teachable, learnable from day one. And it's the adults around our kids are so important, right? So it's it's great that you're listening to this podcast, that you're coming on board to, to learn more about this. But whether you're a dental hygienist, a nurse in the doctor's office, a clerk at the store, you can influence young people in all ages. Awesome. As I was listening awesome. to you talk, like I thought that was really the interesting component. You said it doesn't just stop with youth is also for adults. And I often look at it from the standpoint as it starts with adults. Like as you're listing those individuals, like we have the opportunity to influence young people no matter our role. Mm-hmm. We're always impacting them by the way we interact with one another, the way that we communicate, the way that we even model our own uh, self-awareness and that mm-hmm. self-management. We're exampling that to young people. Mm-hmm. So it starts with adults, it's for youth, and it just, it just continues to interact. Mm-hmm. And the way I always say it, I feel like it's like, how do I understand myself? Mm-hmm. How do I understand others? Mm-hmm. And then how do we work together? Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah. So when we say it's this framework and there's these five components, it really just boils down to, do I understand me? Do I understand you? And how do we figure this out mm-hmm. together? That's nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Sarah, um, do you want to go into um, a little bit more about the components and how, how they all work together? Yeah. So Bev listed them. We're only going to cover two today. Um, okay. We're going to start out with that self-awareness and that self-management. Mm-hmm. And doing five components is going to be a lot for us. These are the two components I actually like the best <laughs> because <laughs> if people know me, they I am a deep thinker. I am always up in my head. I am working a lot on my self-awareness. I'm constantly wondering like, oh, I wonder why I feel that way. Or, well, that's interesting. Why am I responding that way? Like what's going on for me? Um, so that's where that self-awareness comes in. And then it moves into like, okay, well, now that I'm aware of what's going on for me, what am I going to do about it? Mm-hmm. How am I going to choose to behave? Um, how am I going to take care of myself uh, if I'm under stress and recognizing that by recognizing my emotions? So those two things, I would say, would you agree? They really like play into one another quite a bit. Yes, I think paired together is perfect. And 
and also first. So remember when I said the more I do this, the more I realize it's kind of intentional. Mm -hmm. So we do our self-work first, yep. right? So we, we really have to look in and, and understand ourselves and understand that component of it if we're going to have positive interactions and awareness to the people in the world around us. Mm -hmm. So yeah, absolutely. I think these two just pair nicely together. And you know, for an example, to be aware of yourself emotionally and not know how to manage it is really short-serving what social and emotional intelligence and learning is all about, mm -hmm. right? So the idea that we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how you are aware, and then we'll talk about how you manage it, and then I'll bring in an, a good example around how those two tie together nicely. I think the word learning is really important too in this, right? So it's one thing to have a skill, but it's another thing to even be able to start to learn and recognize what am I learning about myself in that mm -hmm. self-awareness? And one of the things that I often notice is like from an awareness perspective is, you know, what am I thinking? What am I like feeling even physically in my body mm -hmm. from awareness? Of like, huh, well, that's interesting. What's going on for me? Mm -hmm. Well, sure. And then tie it back to our recent conversation on growth mindset, mm -hmm. right? Because it is learning. It is a process and it is an acknowledgement that we are constantly developing this about ourselves and yeah, especially as you said, adults, I mean, we're aware adults are constantly developing these skills, right? Mm -hmm. So then the idea being with the discovery you model is that our goal is to equip you, our listeners and, and the adults who interact with kids with specific skills, mm -hmm. right? So you're modeling the behavior, but you also have skills to translate that for young people so, so they can get their head around how to actually bring this to life. Mm -hmm. So instead of just saying, oh, you need to be self-aware, let's talk about how you become self-aware, <laughs> what the components are, and what are a few things that you can do. What, you mm -hmm. haven't reached the top of Maslow's pyramid and become completely self-actualized? <laughs> <laughs> just, just be self-aware, Bob. Just be self-aware. Self you're three, be self-aware. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're 15, you should be yeah. self-aware. Why, why aren't you aware of what you're doing? Mm -hmm. Right, when a lot of adults even aren't, right? Well, and that's the thing, like even um, youth brain development. That's why modeling from adults is going to be so important, going back to your question about kindergartners. Mm -hmm. Like youth brain development, their brain development is not at a point where they can cognitively start to assess what's going on for them and why are they aware. That's why you see a lot of emotional reactions from young people. They are, you know, struggle, you know, with responsible decision making, which is the fifth component of um, social and emotional learning, because they haven't developed that yet. Mm -hmm. And so when you go back to the learning, it's our job as adults to help them mm -hmm. develop it. But we have to do it first ourselves. Yeah. Well, and you bring a good point too, Sarah. So um, if a lot of people don't realize that when you talk about brain development, those adolescent years um, are actually only, they're second in brain development only to the very beginning of, of infancy, mm -hmm. right? So we often think, oh, you're a teenager, you get it, you're kind of there. But actually, it's so critical in these teenage years because their brain is developing at a very, very fast rate. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. It is. <laughs> you can see why it's important. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I'm pretty sure I said this last time, but, you know, kids are sponges. Mm -hmm. And I think they're, they're going to do what we do. So mm -hmm. if we are, you know, practicing social-emotional learning and we are self-aware of our working towards becoming more self-aware they're going to see that and go oh okay i get it i can do that and then we'll start 
to slowly see them doing it and becoming more self-aware of themselves. And it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop mm-hmm. at any age. So we told Sam it was a framework. <laughs> and we've been talking about it being important. So if we look at those first two, self-awareness and self-management, what are some of the things that come into self-awareness? Sure. So obviously you start out with the emotional self-awareness. Um, and it's that ability to identify and to recognize and to actually be able to name the emotions, mm-hmm. right, in any given moment. And I do encourage developing a larger vocabulary of emotions, mm-hmm. right? We pretty much use happy, sad, happy, sad. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's very limiting as we're trying to become more self-aware because there's so many nuances, so many little intricacies mm-hmm. around our emotions and being able to just use them better. Because the idea is, is that we're using our emotions better. When we manage them, it's not that we're trying mm-hmm. to get rid of them. We're using them better. Mm-hmm. And then when you think about that emotional self-awareness, think about developing that idea that you can recognize and we can teach our young people to recognize that relationship between how I feel and how I react. Mm-hmm. Right? So if, if we're reacting a certain way, there's a feeling that's triggering that. Yep. And that's part of that emotional awareness, that self-awareness, is that these feelings are causing my reactions to situations. It happens so fast. It does. It does. So if we're not intentional about talking about it, we can get caught up in it. And especially when you're young, we aren't born necessarily with these skills. We have to develop these skills. I'm just reflecting on just my, my own child, like watching him grow up seeing that sometimes the emotion he's displaying impacts the way he's behaving, right? Mm -hmm. So that's talking about that self-management. And what I think that emotion is tied to is not always what it's really tied to. There's something more behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And his ability over the years to be able to recognize why he's feeling what he's feeling And I I feel like I played a role in that as a parent, like helping him like, hey, I see you, right? I'm jumping ahead to next episode when we talk (laughs) about social awareness, but like I'm noticing this behavior. I have to imagine you're feeling a particular way. And that has helped him identify those emotions Mm -hmm. and what that's really about. Yeah. And that conversation and that ability to self-identify. Yeah. Because mom's not going to be there forever, right? Mm -hmm. Teacher's not going to be there forever. Coach isn't going to be there forever. So it's really important that we don't take our perception of all this and, and impose it or, or push it on the, on the children because they have to, it's their life they have to manage, right? Mm-hmm. It's in and of themselves that they have to take it forward and manage it. And I think that kind of ties it in too because you think about that accurate self-perception, mm-hmm. right? So now we're still staying in self-awareness, but think about how you, how you perceive yourself. So... <laughs> I personally raised a princess, and she was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, however, that's probably not a healthy, accurate self-perception for mm-hmm. a young person to have or an adult to have, right? So you, you think about that and how, how we want to impose that on our mm-hmm. kids, right? But now we're talking about accurate self-perception. So yes, we all have princes and princesses, and they're all perfect, but then they go in the real world, and other people don't feel that way about our kids. So... How do we help them to self-perceive accurately? So think about things like, are they realistic about their strengths and their limitations? Mm -hmm. Just thinking about strengths, yeah. Yeah. If you're not realistic about your limitations, you can get yourself in trouble, Mm -hmm. right? 
realistic about your strengths, helps you to grow, helps you to develop, helps you to take healthy risks and chances. Um, thinking about how for our young people too, that they recognize that what they're doing and what they're feeling is impacting the people around them, mm-hmm. right? So are they perceptive to, to how if I, if I have these emotions, if your son behaves in a certain way, mm-hmm. that he's not doing it in a bubble, mm-hmm. that that's really affecting you and the kids he goes to school with and everybody around him. And then trying to help a young person, and this is funny because now we think about adults, so we're going to help young people recognize how their biases and what they need and what they value, how it affects them and their decisions and and what they're doing in life. So talk about modeling behavior and having to do self-work. How many of us can even answer and articulate how my biases and everything's going on in my head is affecting, right? How I'm behaving, perceiving others and what my emotions are doing. Mm-hmm. I feel like self-awareness is exhausting work. <laughs> <laughs> it really does require a strong amount of effort on my part to be self-aware, mm-hmm. just to simply be self-aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Sarah. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's easier to... to to not do the work or kind of oh, yeah. ignore it. Yep. But I also think it becomes second nature. Yes. Right. So as as we go about this, and the younger we help our children and to, to do this and develop these skills, and hey, they can work on it at the same time we're working on it. Yeah. Right. We're gonna we're in this together. So I, th- I think that's healthy. I was thinking about a time uh, my son came into the car after picking him up from school, and he was talking about two friends that had been having an ongoing argument. This had, like, gone on for, like, three days, and he kept on referencing it and bringing it up. And I remember the moment I kind of, like, paused to be like, okay, well, there's nothing I can do to solve this problem. And I asked him, you know, what about that bothers you? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was helping him move towards his self-awareness because mm-hmm. his answer was, well, I just want my friends to get along. And that was really even information for me about him that, that – his friends are important to him. He wants everyone to get along. He wants that stability. And I'm starting to think that that helped him with his own self-awareness. So that's my role as an adult in his life mm-hmm. and helping him walk through that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm glad you're saying yes because I, I feel like I have a question <laughs> look on my face and you're really affirming that for me. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm thinking a good podcast would be around asking good questions yeah. mm-hmm. because I think that is a key role that we play. And often as adults... We want to fall into this mode of just telling. We have all the answers. We have all the solutions. Mm-hmm. I know what my children are feeling. I know what you're feeling. I've been there, and I'm going to to just tell you. And yet often we're wrong. Mm-hmm. And even when we're right, it isn't helping them become more self-aware. Mm-hmm. right? So it's that good question asking that I think is just really brilliant and, and insightful. Yeah. Would you guys go to say that there's – different levels of self-awareness and that you know like like you know you there's you're not self-aware and then there's you're self-aware right but what about if you're just you're like a little bit self-aware or like you're like a lot of self-aware but not fully self-aware there's like would you would you would you (laughs) (laughs) I would say for me I'll speak for myself and I feel like my journey in my own self-awareness is that there's there is a spectrum Mm -hmm. um and for me I think if I had to like share some strategies with our adult listeners is for me, it's just pausing first and recognizing that I'm experiencing an emotion and take that emotion as information. 
Um, I often feel my emotions physically, right? So I'll feel tightness in my chest. You'll see mm-hmm. my face flush. Um, I'll, you'll start to see me like do this with my hands um, when I'm irritated. I'm sure you've already seen me do that. But I notice when I'm doing those things that then I'm feeling something. Okay. So that is where I pause and start my journey of self-awareness. And then I go into those good questions in my own head. Mm-hmm. Now, there are days where I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be the self-aware one in the room. Mm-hmm. I don't. Like, I just want to, I want to move into that brain development of like, you know what? Screw it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to have control over my emotions and my reactions because it does take that effort. Mm-hmm. But no, it's definitely been a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, you read books, you, you, you know, you take courses, you know, you do things in that, you know, going back to strengths, that appreciation of um, learning and excellence, like that love of learning um, and continue to develop that learning mm-hmm. about yourself. But yeah, definitely. I would say a spectrum. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You want to add? Yeah, I would also add to that. Sometimes it's situational. Mm-hmm. Like there are things where I have stronger biases, values, needs, opinions, whatever. And I am a whole lot less self-aware mm-hmm. than other times. Mm-hmm. Right. So depending on history and personal experiences, and we I'm sure can see this in our young people. Wow, you handled that situation. You were so aware in that situation. And yet you seem completely unaware in this situation. So, so yeah, it's it's part of that learning process. It's also part of whatever's going on in circumstantial. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think for me personally, I feel the same. Kind of like what you're saying, it's situational. In some situations, I feel like I have a lot of self-awareness. Like, mm-hmm. I, I understand. Um, but I think the big spot where I feel my self-awareness is kind of not fully there is with my emotions. So like I can feel myself. I know that I'm getting stressed out. I know that I'm getting sad. I know that I'm feeling this feeling, but the management part of it, <laughs> it's not there. And I just, I just, I, I just, I can't, I can't make the words. I can't, my, my fiance sees it the most because if I'm like stressing out from work, I come home and he's like, what do you want to have for dinner? I don't know. Well, do you want to cook? I don't know. Do you want to? Do you want to go out? I don't know. And he he's like, "Are you okay?" And I just bury my face in a pillow at that point because I'm I'm like, "No, no." I but I don't want to talk about it because I don't know. And then it's it's a couple hours later. I'm like, "Okay, I'm feeling I'm feeling better. This is how I was feeling before. I'm self aware that I was feeling these feelings, but uh, I'm just not good at at managing those said feelings." And so it's like it's like there on self-awareness and then like here on self-management and mm-hmm. it's rough you know yeah. but it's all part of the journey yeah well um you just have me thinking about a variety of things so um <laughs> I, know, I know i do well no it's so intriguing right because um something that was mentioned earlier you know when we look at emotions they're not necessarily positive or negative we categorize them that way because mm-hmm. sometimes we have emotions that are uncomfortable And so then we categorize them as negative and then we have emotions that are positive. Well, how we then manage that, it's not, I think Bob, you said earlier, it's not about like suppressing those emotions. Mm -hmm. It's not about not dealing with them. It's not Mm -hmm. about avoiding them or ignoring them. It's about like seeing them as pieces of information. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like you even reflecting that, like there's a recognition that you're like, okay, well, I know I have this this discomfort maybe even with figuring out how to manage Mm -hmm. um, emotions Mm -hmm. and manage that stress. Um, and that's just being very self-aware. 
There you go. Self aware. Sam bumps up another notch on self awareness, right? Well, the awareness is key first, right? Because there's nothing to manage unless we know that it's there to manage. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I had shared earlier for me, it's first the pause, like pause Mm -hmm. and think about what is it that I want to be doing now next Mm -hmm. and starting to make that choice instead of just reacting, Mm -hmm. right? I want to respond. I want to be responsive. I don't just Mm want to have that that reaction. Mm-hmm. What are some other ideas, I guess, around self-management? Um, so we want to jump to self-management, huh? Yeah. So yeah, the idea around self-management just being that that we are taking control over our own life, right? And mm-hmm. so we kind of have to look at different ways that we can identify those emotions and then channel them in ways that's useful to ourselves and, and that doesn't harm other people, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I alluded to earlier a story around the young person, um, and, and sadly, this is pretty frequent, where we hear um, a, a young person acts out and then they, they say, well, I have anger issues. Mm-hmm. Okay. Almost in a declaration that gives them permission to behave that way because they have been labeled with, self-labeled with or by someone else that they have anger issues. Okay. So that's that's that beginning step of, Yes, but now what's happening to you? What's happening to the others around you? And are you controlling yourself in a way that those issues aren't spilling over on other people? Mm-hmm. So, so when we think about self-management, I think it's really important that we, we recognize that part of that and that self-control is that we can be a little calm and a little clear-headed and there are going to be stressful situations. And there are stressful situations, whether you're you're five, you're 12, you're 20, it doesn't matter your age, right? Um, but to be able to be calm and in that moment and, and to think through things and to your point, not to react, mm-hmm. but to positively respond. Mm-hmm. And that can be, I think, even with the uncomfortable emotions or even the comfortable ones. And you see this in, you know, really young people going back to the kindergarten example, like when they're super excited, mm-hmm. they'll react in a way that isn't always Positive. Like that's mm-hmm. why you see biting or you see hitting in like toddlers because they're they're just so full of this emotion. They don't know how to get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we think that that's a negative, but it's really just they might just be super excited about something, but they just don't know how to, I guess, respond. Mm-hmm. Well, I think modeling's huge here, too. So mm-hmm. so you, to your example, when I was raising my kids, growth mindset ties into this, too. <laughs> I've, I spent my entire life being petrified of spiders. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they controlled my world. A spider, those tiny little critters, eight legs, I'd count them, they controlled my world. Now, I modeled very poor behavior in front of my kids, right? Mm-hmm. I had no self-control when it came to a spider. The emotion that that brought up, I had no self-control. My son is 35 years old, and he's afraid of spiders. And I said to him the other day, I said, why are you afraid of spiders? He said, mom, because you were. Yep. So when you really think about that modeling of behavior, think about as an adult, that self-control. And if you're going to react strongly to situations or not calmly to situations, we're teaching our young people how to do that. Mm-hmm. I vividly, vividly remember a moment in my son's life where I recognized that my um, compulsiveness, like I like things to be a particular way, <laughs> try to act shocked, but I do like things to be a particular way. And I was starting to recognize that he was developing some negative behaviors because I was 
modeling mm-hmm. that constantly. I wasn't managing myself. Mm-hmm. And I all of a sudden went, this is what I'm doing to him because mm-hmm. of my. And I remember saying to a friend of mine, like, the more I grow and develop, the better I will be for him. Yep. Every Definitely. time. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that kind of leads into, too, another way to address self-management is, well, back to growth mindset again. You're just going to find listeners that all these things <laughs> weave together. So stay tuned because it's not it's not a direct path, but nope. it's a great path. Um, but that ability to be able to adapt and change. Mm-hmm. OK, um, because change is harder for some people than other people. Again, we're modeling that behavior of whether or not we can help our kids um, weather those changes and those um, uh, things that are going to come up in their life, that depending on certain uh, issues perhaps that they may have, difficult certain areas that they have more difficulty dealing with things, change can be more difficult for some people, right? So helping them to adapt to the circumstances around them. Just this morning, I was developing a professional development for one of our school systems around adapting to change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're talking about like the reactions that we have to emotions. So normally we're going to have some sort of coping mechanism. So like that fight, flight, freeze, fold kind of coping mechanism. But I think what we're starting to talk about with self-management is, well, what are some adaptive, just listening to you talk mm-hmm. about growth mindset, like what instead are some adaptive responses to mm-hmm. Whatever's happening, it could be a change, mm-hmm. it could just be a situation, but that recognition that I'm about to react and instead I want to kind of learn and grow in myself and respond. Instead of coping, we want to move towards, I'm going to say, thriving. I would say so. Absolutely. I mean, as stuff changes around us and just think about as an adult, like I hear so many adults say, I don't like change. Yeah. Okay. I'm, pre- I'm sure they're probably saying that around young people too. I don't like change. Mm-hmm. Well, just that declaration says... I'm not willing to adapt. I'm uncomfortable with this. And I think one of the great skills that we can actually develop for ourselves and certainly for our kids is to lean into to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And when I realized that, that was almost life changing for me. Because so many times we try to avoid uncomfortable situations, Mm -hmm. right? And we try to keep our kids out of uncomfortable situations because we're trying to protect them and ourselves and we don't want people to be uncomfortable. And yet when you really think about that, when you can embrace being in that discomfort and then learn to manage that, your whole world opens up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know a, a young adult who's very uncomfortable in social situations. So she specifically avoids them. And when I realized in my life, hey, wait a minute, no, this is this is really important. You know, I was able to say, I don't care if it doesn't matter if you're uncomfortable. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Why do we send that message that that's so wrong? Mm-hmm. Right? That's a huge benefit if you can just teach people, hey, go be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Well, and that that uncomfortable is teaching us something. It's telling us something that then maybe we want to. I don't choose a self-management skill technique so that then we can go into that environment and embrace it. Right. Because Mm -hmm. the only way we're going to get comfortable is to face it, Mm -hmm. to take that opportunity, kind of back to growth mindset again, (laughs) Um, but being willing to take that chance, have that win. And then every time we have a win, 
that becomes a, a lesson to self, kind of a part of self-efficacy where we can tell ourselves, hey, I won there and this is this is why and how. And I learned this and I can apply it to this situation. Right. And that can help me win the next time. So as we are kind of wrapping things up, you guys just want to tell me in a short manner. <laughs> you did invite both of us to be here today. I'm really sorry. Uh, just, just tell me, why are these two out of the five pillars so important? Why are they so important to adults and to our kiddos? My initial response to that is because it starts with me. Mm-hmm. Like the first person I have any control over or any opportunity to change and grow is going to be me first. So I think it absolutely, I it has to start with me. Mm-hmm. That was, was that short enough? That was perfect. Thanks. Was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see if we can accomplish that. Twice. <laughs> so I, I would second that it starts with me. And I, and I guess with that, I would kind of think about, eh, it's just an extension of that really. How do we, how do we really start to interact with other people mm-hmm. and become aware of other people um, until we understand what our reactions are doing? So part of that self-awareness was how are my actions affecting others, mm-hmm. right? So then as we think about that, then when we move, move into social awareness, that just ties right together, mm-hmm. right? Nice. Okay. And then um, what is, in your opinions... The best way to give this information to our kids, because obviously, you know, we're adults, and this is a, this is very like a, a high, like educational way of saying it all. But if you're talking to a twelve-year-old, uh, seventeen-year-old, they're not gonna grasp it the same way that an adult would. Mm-hmm. So, how would you? What advice would you give? to a mom who wants to teach their sixth grade son about self-awareness in a way that's not just be self-aware. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just do it. Just, just the switch. Uh, I, I'm just going to go back. You know, what did I, what did I do as a parent? You know, it's my, my best form of experience, I guess. Um, and I'm going to go back to first, I had to start with me, right? Like mm-hmm. I had to do the work. I had to do the work. The, 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 the better I was, the more I grew, the more I developed, the more I worked on my own stuff, the more I was able to then demonstrate what that looks like mm-hmm. and then be that for my son. And then I think it would move into, you know, I know we're going to talk next time about that social awareness, but being able to step back and be aware of what's going on for him mm-hmm. and then move into some of those good questions. And in a couple episodes, we're going to talk about relationships and listening, but like being able to like reflect back to him what I was seeing and what I was hearing mm-hmm. and then ask those good questions to help him then. Um, I remember the day he came home from first grade. I might have already shared this in a previous episode, but he came home from first grade and told me the story about something that had gone wrong on the recess playground. And I remember thinking, is he telling me this because he wants me to give him advice he wants me to tell him what to do or is he telling me this because he actually was part of the situation that went down on the playground Mm -hmm. and I remember him looking at me waiting for my response and it was very key to me in that moment that what I do right now is really going to matter and how I demonstrate Mm -hmm. what his behavior should be 
And so asking those questions and helping him consider, well, what, well, what do you want to do? And, mm-hmm. and move towards that, that self-management. Um, there were times that um, he, had, um, he had anger issues. <laughs> he had anger issues. He did. He just, circumstances of his life, he just had a lot of pent-up emotion um, where we would go out and we would go physically exercise. Um, there were times we would take um, like a small rubber ball and throw it against a brick wall so that he could release it. And that, and that age group for at, at that time, mm-hmm. that was a self-management technique. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the best we did at that time. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's a lot of ways. Work on yourself, model that, and then start to ask those questions when you're seeing that in your young people. And then help them come up with healthy, positive outlets in that self-management realm. Mm-hmm. And then that self-awareness and that self-management will start to kind of flow together. Mm-hmm. I think that would be my summary. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Short and sweet. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I think about that and I, I think about personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times I think when people hear positive youth development and social emotional learning, it might sound kind of fluffy to them, right? Like it's just like, oh, everything's happy. Everything's fine. Everything you do is Okay. And that's not the case at all. So when it comes to personal responsibility, it's with the adults, mm-hmm. right? That they have a responsibility. But it's it's translating that to our young people that says, you know what? You do control what you think. You have control mm-hmm. over what you think. You have control over what you do. You have influence on the outcomes of your life, right? Mm-hmm. So as we're seeing these, you know, behaviors develop, we're, we're trying to model the best behavior that, that we can model, but then, but then really having those conversations around it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not a secret. Like, like you can tell your young person, Hey, you know, we really need to work on you being aware of your emotions. So let's, mm-hmm. you're, let's talk about what your emotions are right now. Right. We need to, to really think about your strengths and you be aware really where your strengths are and where you need to work. It's having those good conversations that they're not cryptic, nope. right? They're not, they don't, they don't have to sound like you're some kind of psychologist. I mean, we're not, right? I mean, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's how you have those conversations that help make those kids be aware and just not assume that they were, they were born with these abilities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Totally good points. Yeah. Very good points. Mm-hmm. Well, we unpacked a lot today, a whole lot, um, and not... We just have so much more to unpack. So we are going to do a like a part two of social emotional learning. So the next episode will be about the other pillars. Um, we'll have Ben and Sarah with us again. And we'll keep talking about them. Um, but we want to know, like, we want to hear, like, your self-awareness. Like, how do you self-manage? How are you self-aware? Um, because why not? You know, like, we, we all need to work on it together and what, better way to do it than with everybody you know (laughs) so um yeah we would definitely love to hear from you and you know your self-management techniques things that mm -hmm. work well for you things that you've done with your young people Mm -hmm. like like we're the experts on our own lives (laughs) so like we'd love to hear your expertise on what's worked well in your life and um working with young people and opportunities that are there for all of us to grow together so where do they share that so you can share it on our social media uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, um, YouTube comments, yeah. <laughs> wherever. <laughs> and then just keep remembering that, you know, you can follow us there also, not just share with us, but we would love it if you joined us on our self-awareness journey, <laughs> um, our 
our social media handle for everything is just Discover You Programs. Um, and remember that you can listen to our podcasts that you're listening to right now, wherever you listen to your podcasts, and you can watch them on YouTube at Discover You Programs. So until next time. <laughs>